Well, good morning, Pompano. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah. 10 a.m. in the house. Well, we're glad that you're here. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. We've been in a series called Chains over the last couple of weeks, and we've been talking about the different things in life that lock us up, the different things that have got us held back, that are keeping us from the, the purpose and the plans and the potential that God has for our lives. And this is what I know about all of us. All of us have some, some things that seem to be kind of keeping us locked in place, keeping us held within our own kind of prison that uh, is, is hindering our potential in life. And I know this about God is God doesn't want you to live a limited life. God wants an unlimited life for you. He wants an abundant life for you. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what are the keys to unlocking the chains that have got us wrapped up, tied up, locked in, locked up, and locked out of what God has for us. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some different things. We've talked about the, the, the financial chains that a lot of us are facing in life and, and how debt holds a lot of us down from from realizing everything that God has for us and, and God has opportunities that are out there, but because we're held back and we're, we're, we're locked down by debt, we're not able to take steps of faith and walk into potential opportunities that are there. And last week we talked about the, the pain of the past, how a lot of times if we don't deal with our past, it's going to keep us from living in the present. And not only is it going to keep us from the present, but there's really no hope for our future. And so we have to deal with that, that pain, and we have to unlock the, the people that have, have hurt us and, and done things to us and the things that have happened, and we've got to let go of those things and allow God to, to move in our lives so that we can experience that full life. And today, we're going to be talking about an area that uh, not a lot of people like to talk about. It's not a, a fun subject, but I think it's an area that probably for every single one of us, we deal with. Now, some of us deal with it in, in healthy ways, and some of us have this in unhealthy ways. And this is what I know. Anything that's taken too far, whether it's good or it's bad, always becomes bad. And so today we're going to be talking about the chains of addiction. And uh, this is what I know is that addiction is real, that all of us suffer from addiction. Now, when we think about addiction, we naturally think about uh, some things like we think about drugs, we think about alcohol, we think about pornography. We're like, oh, those are the bad things. Like we categorize those. Oh, those are bad addictions. But I, I don't care what it is. You can be addicted to a lot of things. And, and, and addictions aren't just limited to those kind of categories. Food can be an addiction. Oh, somebody, somebody's like, I've I seen that one happening. <laughs> you know, uh, some shopping can be an addiction. Shopaholic. Have you ever heard of those people? Got some issues at the Sawgrass Mill Mall. But it was on sale. Listen, if you bought it, it wasn't a sale, okay? It cost you something. Some of us were addicted to this thing called our cell phone. Woo, uh, there's, there's a girl at, at our Coconut Creek campus. I, I can make fun of her because she's not here. But she walks in, and she's got a ring on her phone. So she, like, wears a ring, like, on her ring finger is attached to her phone. I'm like, you're engaged to your freaking phone. Like, there is something wrong with that. But addiction can be a lot of different things. For some of y'all, you're addicted to politics right now. Woo, just got hot in here. 
So addiction can happen in a lot of different ways. And, and so I just want to define addiction for you today. Hey, there's like this crazy ring going on. Can we? Yep. Thank you, sir. Uh, Webster defines uh, addiction this way. It says it's a strong or harmful need to regularly have something or do something. I, I like to summarize it like this. In other words, it's anything in life that you do over and over again that you just can't stop doing. That you just, like, it seems to, in some ways and in some regards, own our life. And anytime we get something that starts to be an area that we can't get away from, I would say that that area owns you. And when something starts to own you, do you know what it's doing? It is chaining you up. Now, here's what I know is, is all of us deal with these things that chain us up in life. And you think, well, well, what does this have to do with, with church and the Bible? Well, the, the Bible actually talks about this in Romans chapter 7. It actually talks about this very thing. And this is what Paul says. He actually calls it a law. He goes, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody else seen that law in effect? A couple of us? Like, hey, listen, I want to do some good, but all of a sudden, like, Bad is right there. He goes on to say, for my inner being, I delight in God's law. He's like, deep down inside, more than anything, I want to do what's right. Nothing deep down inside, all of us have that same thing. We're like, man, I want to do what's right. But he continues on, and this is what he says. He says, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. He goes like, listen, I, in, deep down inside, I want to do what's right. Deep down inside, I want to make the right decision. I want to honor God. But at the same point, there is, this, there is this nature that's within me that is constantly at war with the good and the God inside of me that causes me to do these other things. And what happens is, as I give in to those things, it says, I become a prisoner to those things. And what he's talking about is he's saying, listen, when we get into these habits, in other words, when we get into these states where we're in this repetitive behavior called addiction, uh, we get imprisoned. We get, these chains come, and all of a sudden they're locking down and clamping down on us. And they're holding us prisoner. Now, how does that work? And I think that there's a cycle that you go through that, that imprisons you. And what happens for a lot of us is what we do in life becomes a part of our identity. We say it like this, man, I, I, I'm a druggie, or I'm an alcoholic, or I'm a shopaholic, or I'm a gamer, or I'm a gambler, right? We start to identify ourselves with those things. And, and all of us, if you were to ask me, Kyle, what is my addiction? (laughs) 
took him a little bit. I understood the shirt, the shirt was too long. He couldn't get his brain to, to come on. <laughs> Look, my addiction is like people that know me know that like I would describe myself not as a very good one, but as a crossfitter. You know, we're, apparently Sunshine thinks I'm a comedian, so I wasn't really going for that. Uh, but what happens is we identify ourselves with that thing that starts owning us. I know for me, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, in a family where uh, my parents were both alcoholics. My parents were both drug addicts. We owned bars. And restaurants, probably not a good industry for people that have drug and alcohol addictions to own the things that promote drugs and alcohol a lot. And I remember seeing my parents just being owned by those things and thought to myself, well, I'll never do that. And I remember turning 16 and going to my first party and having my first drink. And before long, it wasn't one drink that would satisfy. It needed to be three. And before it was... Long, three wasn't enough. It had to be 27. Yeah, if I go big, I I, I mean, I'm going all in. And pretty soon I started, my life was defined by drinking. Like, man, was I going to be able to drink today? And I started to define myself, man, like like people would go, oh, man, you got to go to this party or dude's named TJ's house. Like, that lifestyle became my identity in life. And sometimes we like to glamorize it, which is kind of interesting. Like, oh, that's awesome. Last time I checked, being locked up is not awesome. Like, last time I checked, having something own you rather than you owning it is not a positive thing. And so how you know if it owns you or not is is when you try to quit but you fail, what happens is you start to become hopeless. I know every time that I would would try to quit, I'd be like, oh, this is my last time. A couple days later, I'd be right back to that same behavior. And what happens is you start to feel like a failure. You start to sing, Beck, I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you, you know, like you start, start going down that. Why? Because breaking an addiction, getting rid of something that owns you, is extremely hard. And after you stumble a couple of times, you just feel hopeless and you just go to yourself like, what's the point? Like, how, how can I move forward in this? Because I, like, I've, I've tried everything I can, and not only does it define you, but then it starts to confine you, doesn't it? It starts to squeeze down on you. Those chains get a little bit tighter. The wrists get a little bit more sore. And so you just, you just say to yourself, this is going to be a part of my life. And then what happens is, is the people that care about you start to become a threat because any threat to your addiction becomes a threat to you. And so what happens is, is your friends and your family that actually really care about you, they say, hey, you know what? You've got a problem. Like, I see some things going on, and, and you get defensive in those moments. Like, I don't have a problem. Angry people are like, I'm not mad. 
And you start defending the thing that's got you chained to the people that actually care about you. And the people that care about you, instead of being your friends in your eyes, they become your enemy. Why are you trying to get me to change? Before long, what happens is, is you begin to lose your life. You begin to lose your life. And honestly, this is the enemy's ultimate goal for you. That you would lose everything. In fact, in John 10, 10, it's not in your notes. It says the thief, talking about Satan, comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Last time I checked, none of those are very life-giving. Stealing, killing, and destroying sound like things that will cost you a lot. And that's his goal, that's his MO, that's his mission in life. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because your addiction has cost you a lot. It's cost you a marriage, it's cost you a career, it's cost you opportunities, it's cost you your retirement. And when you start to lose so much in your life, you think, man, I'm never going to rid myself of these chains. And so what you do is you ease the pain that you're in by getting your next fix. You just go and you start repeating the pattern all over again. And what happens is, is these chains become our master. These chains, they lead us. You're coming over here. You're coming over here. They guide us. They torture us. They own us. And so my question for all of us today is this. Is what has mastered you? What in life has mastered you? And I know some of you are like, well, but TJ, nothing's mastered me. Like, I'm... I'm good. Like nothing, nothing is is there for me. Well, 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 why don't you answer some questions here first before you choose to say like nothing's mastered me? Before you live in denial of some things that are maybe happening in your life. So here's some questions I would ask you. Do your family and friends ever say you have a problem? Do you continue doing things even though you're hurting other people or you're hurting yourself? Do you arrange your schedule around that thing or that activity or that person? Can you go a week or two without it? Is it leading you to isolation in your life? Are you trying to keep it a secret from someone or something or some organization? Listen, if you answered yes to two or three or more of those questions, something in your life owns you. Something in your life has mastered you and has got you chained up. It's got you locked up. It's got you locked in, and it's got you locked out from the things of God. So what do you do? Like, how do you experience 
the abundant life that Jesus promises for every single one of us. And there's, there's a scripture out of Romans chapter 6 that says this. It says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. It's saying, hey, don't let these addictions continue to happen so that you continue to obey the desires of it. It says, don't continue to let your addictions, don't continue to let those chains lead you in life. Don't let them be in control. It says, do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but, and I love the butts of the Bible, but rather offer yourselves to God for sin shall not be your master. See, when we start offering ourselves to God, we break the power of the chains that master us. It says, listen, this doesn't have to be your master any longer. You can actually break free from these and you can live a life that is not mastered by those, but is, is allowing God to be the master of your life. And you say, well, well, that's great, TJ, but I've got chains wrapped up on me. I'm locked in, I'm locked up, I'm locked out. Like, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like? Real practical. Today is super practical. Number one, how do you do that? You start to can the excuses that you have. You start to can the excuses. Benjamin Franklin says this, he who is good at making excuses is rarely good for anything else. Whew, ben Franklin has some wisdom on him right there. Because a lot of us, what we've done is, is we've made excuses for our change. We're like, but they look good in this outfit, you know, and, and like they're a great accessory. Like, oh, I'll just wear them as earrings today. Like, we've accessorized them, and we've made excuses. Well, it's, it's not my fault. It's my, it's my dad's fault that I'm like that. You know, and we're always coming up with all these reasons why the, we are the way we are. And, and what we have to do if we're going to break the power of sin at work within us is we've got to stop coming up with excuses and start going, you know what? I've got to realize that Jesus is offering me something more. See, there's a story in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus says, hey, listen, I have got something for some people. I want to invite you into a banquet. I'm going to throw a banquet for you. And he sends servants out and he says, listen, I've got this incredible party. I want you to come. I want you to experience what I've got for you. And this is how people responded. And this is how we respond a lot of times. It says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, man, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And you think, well, what does that have to do with candy excuses? The point is, is Jesus is inviting you to something, and instead of you going to his invitation to be free, you go, well, uh, like, I just can't right now. I'm too busy. And Jesus got going, ain't nobody got time for your busyness. Like, it's time for you to get free. It's time for you to stop coming up with all the reasons why you can't and start realizing that I've invited you to some place where you can. And if, and if you would just get past yourself and all the thoughts in your mind, if you would start to change your perspective, your stinking thinking up here, I would change your life all out here. And so instead of saying, man, I just can't break through, I've tried, I've done all these things, you got to start realizing who I am and what I want to do through you. That's why he tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How can I do all things? Through Christ. When I accept his invitation and I stop making excuses for my behavior and I say, Jesus, I want what you got. I want to follow you. I'm not going to follow my own ways. I'm going to run after you. I'm not going to say I can't anymore, but I can. 
See, on our own, which a lot of us have tried, we're going to come up with excuses. You want to know why? Because we fail over and over again. Because it's only through the supernatural power of Jesus Christ that you can. But in order to can, you've got to can your excuses. And so if you want to be free today, if you want to break free from the chains of addiction, you've got to start to can the excuses that are in your life. And number two there is you've got to start to cut the ties. You've got to start to cut some ties to some different things in life. That could be the internet. Like some of y'all have got a pornography addiction right now, and you're like, how do I break free from that? Cut off the internet at your house? But then what would I do? Go get a friend? Stop being a loner? Nobody's watching pornography with a whole bunch of people around. Come on now, it's true, right? Like it's a secret sin. Well, if, you, if you're not in secret anymore, you probably ain't going to sin. So you need to sever that tie. Well, I'm an alcoholic. Stop hanging out at bars. Stop going to the liquor store. Cut that GPS out of your phone right there. We don't go to that place anymore. You got to start to sever some of the ties that are out there that are jacking you up. Listen, if there is somebody or something that is pulling you down, drop that thing like it's hot right now. You don't need it in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, right? He says, Come back to your senses as you walked and stop sinning. Here's the problem. A lot of us, we don't think in a way that makes sense. Because if we would just think about it, we'd go like, listen, if I don't want to do drugs anymore, I probably shouldn't hang out with my dealer. That would be common sense, right? But why would God have to tell us to have common sense? Because when we're in chains, we don't make decisions that make sense. We just don't. We, we make poor decisions. And we got to realize that we have got to sever some ties in our life. I remember when I, when I came to Christ, man, I was, I was battling with alcohol. I was battling, you know, just lust in my life. And, and I'll never forget, I started realizing that God had something more for me. And when I hung out with this group of people, like I went and jacked everything up. And so one day I had this uh, ultimate realization, like if I don't hang out with them, I don't get in trouble. Hmm. Hmm. God, can you make it any more clear? So you know what I did? I started calling up my friends and I started saying, hey, listen, you know, I know I was going to have a party this week and no party at my house. Well, do you want to come out? No, I don't want to come out with you. I started calling up all my friends. Then I called up a girl that I was dating at the time, and I said, man, you're awesome and you're great, but you are no good for me. Like, all I do is screw up when I'm with you, so I'm dropping you like it's hot. Peace out. And I dumped her. And people thought I was crazy. In fact, this is what everybody said. TJ's gone religious and gay at the same time.
You know what I said? I said, if that's what you need to think for y'all to leave me alone so I can get my life right with Jesus, then you can think that all you want. You want to know why? Because I needed to sever some ties in my life. And the tie that I needed to connect to was Jesus Christ. It's the thing that I needed to, to get around. You know, that's why, that's why James chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, it says, or James 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. He says, this is what, happen, what happens. When you start submitting yourself to God, you'll resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Oh, so I just need to resist the devil. No, 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 no. There's an order to this scripture. There, this is the part that people think. They just think, well, if I just resist the devil, then, then everything will be good. Listen, you don't have enough power on your own to resist the devil. Like, he knows how to get you hook, line, and sinker. He knows what your bait is every single time. Like, oh, he likes girls with dark hair and freckles. Oh, you know, like, he, like he's not stupid. And if I don't put the order right, I'm going to fall right back in the same temptation. You want to know how you resist the devil? You put God first in your life. You submit yourself to God. You say, God, you're my first. You're my one. You're my only. You're my everything. You do some very white with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you just. And then it's really easy to resist the devil because you got something so much better right here than what's over there. Which leads us to number three. You have got to fill that void. When you start to cut those ties, you've got to fill that void in your life. You've got to replace your old love with a new love. With the only one that can completely fill you from head to toe, from top to bottom, from, from side to side. And that's God himself. And you've you got to figure out ways to spend time with him and develop that relationship with him. You gotta fill that void. There's a scripture in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, that was that was very, very relevant to me when I was breaking free. And it says, Do not get drunk on wine. There's I left it blank there. But the scripture actually says, Do not get drunk on wine, because I didn't like wine, but it was alcohol. That was my problem. And so I read this and it says, Don't get drunk. And I was like, Oh man, I should probably stop that. Here's the thing: God is saying, do not whatever your chain is anymore. He said, which leads to debauchery, which leads to you being overwhelmed sensually by that thing. Because here's the thing I know about your chains. Your chains overwhelm and overtake your life. He says, what you got to do is you got to fill the void. And he says, instead, instead of filling your life with that, instead of having your life surrounded by this, what you need to do is you need to start to fill yourself up with the Spirit of God. And let Him rule and reign in your life. So, so how do you do that? Practically, what does that look like? I want to give you three things that I think are the most critical things for you as a Christ follower or somebody that's just coming into faith with Jesus that you need to overcome your addictions. The first one is this, is you need the Word of God. I'm telling you, th this... This book right here, you might think, man, that's an old book. Listen, this is a national bestseller every year, ever since the New York Times bestseller list came out. 
If you were to take the sales of the Bible compared to any other book, it would obliterate it every single year, hands down, multiple versions. Like the top 100 books, it'd just be different versions of the Bible. I'm dead serious. You want to know why? Because there's life in here. There's truth in here. And what we're lacking so many times is what God has already said. Do you know that there's over 7,000 promises in this book? Here's the problem. Most of us don't have a clue what they are because we've never opened it up and read it. And I told you in the beginning of this series that there is a theme this year that I believe that God is trying to communicate not only to me but to our church. And that's God says what he means and means what he says. And God has got some things for your life. He's got some freedom. He's got some opportunity. He's got some direction. He's got some guidance. He's got some breakthrough. He's got some freedom for you. But if you don't ever know what he says, how are you going to be obedient to it? How are you going to know? And the greatest thing you could do is you could get in God's word and figure out what God has already said about you and for you and what he wants you to do and how he wants you to live and how he wants you to experience his power and his presence. And you have the opportunity of sitting there right in front of you. I know that for me, the greatest, the greatest thing that ever happened is when I realized that the way that Jesus overcame all throughout Scripture, every time Jesus was confronted with something, he responded to whatever was confronting him with the word of God. Satan says, well, turn that rock into some bread so that you can eat. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. God says, I'm not going to live on bread alone, but on every word from his book. So we need to realize that if Jesus says that this is, this is what we need to live and this is what we need to sustain ourselves, then why aren't we partaking in it? Like if you're expecting one day a week for an hour on a Sunday to feed you, you're going to be the most malnourished Christ follower that's on the, pla the planet Earth. Like one meal a week is not going to feed your spirit. You need to feed your spirit. And we give you tools and we give you resources all the time. We, we give you devotionals. You can pick up out of the information table. There's reading plans that are available. There's you version. I read you version every single morning. I'm on a one-year Bible reading plan so I can read through God's word every, every single day. I have something to read. Why? Because I know what Hebrews 4.12 says. It says, the word of God is living and active. This isn't some just dead old book that's out of date that isn't relevant to your life. It says it's alive and active for your life today. It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing, which means is it a cut to the issues that you're dealing with? The thing that you're struggling with, all of a sudden you're going to be like, man, how's the, how's the Bible know what I'm dealing with? Because it, it's alive. And it wants to speak to you today. And it wants to help you today. And it wants to help set you free today. But you got to get in it. And then all of a sudden, when, when temptation comes your way, you can start to respond. I remember I started memorizing scriptures when I was 18. I would see some hot girl, and I would, I would memorize Job 31.1. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will look, not look lustfully upon a woman. She's good looking. I'm not going to look again. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to lust. You know, I, I'm serious. I still do that today. And, and here's the deal. You're like, man, that's cheesy. No, dudes, here's what that'll do. That'll give you a pure heart, which will get you a hot wife. Dead serious, you, my wife is hot. You want to know why? Because I made a covenant with my eyes that I wasn't going to look lustfully at a woman. Because I applied what God said, and God is always faithful. 
So we need to we need to get God's word. We need to hide it in our hearts, man. We need to be in it every single day. We need to get truth in our lives so that when evil comes along, we can combat evil with truth. Second thing, prayer. Prayer. I know it's so simple, but a lot of us, what we do is, is we just tell God everything we want, and we never take any time to listen. And see, I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about a relationship. We have a God that actually wants to communicate with us. If, if you just think about that for a moment, that should blow your mind. God, not only does he want to know you, but he wants you to know him. He wants us to come to him and experience all that he has for our lives. And if we would just take some time and spend some time with him, we'd realize that when temptation comes our way, that we'd be able to look at things like Philippians chapter 4, where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which is what we're all seeking, will come and fill our lives. We'll get in this word and we'll start to really experience a relationship with God through prayer. And finally, get involved in some community. The one thing that I've learned in my life is the most powerful thing that ever happened to me was that I realized that God wasn't going to transform me because of a service I heard or a worship song that I sang. But the greatest transformation in my life was going to take place because of the relationships that I had. And a lot of us, we're going through life and we're trying to do this whole follow God thing by ourselves. And listen, it's hard. And we're trying to overcome and we're trying to break chains by ourselves. And so when you stumble and fall, like you feel like a failure. But here's the deal. When you're doing life with other people, you get to experience something different. You don't feel like a failure because you have somebody come alongside of you and pick you up. You have somebody that sympathizes with you, that encourages you, that builds you up. That's why Ecclesiastes says, man, if one person's by themselves and they fall, man, how tragic is that? But if there's two... He has somebody to pick them up. And if there's three people, man, there's no telling what can happen in that situation. Like, they're not going to stumble and they're not going to fall. It's one of the reasons why we offer you connect groups, which you have the opportunity to get involved in a connect group today. It's a great opportunity for you to find some people that are like-minded, that are seeking after the things of God. They go, you know what? I want to pursue Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And together, you guys can learn, and you can grow, and you can encourage, and you can have some accountability. You can have a lot of things that will transform your life. Not long ago, we got this email, and I just thought I would share it with you because I thought it was so powerful when it comes to this whole aspect. This guy says, there are two truths that have really worked in my heart this last year. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. In Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. God started getting the word of God in his heart. He, goes he says this, I used to live my life for me as if it were my last day, pleasing people and gaining approval. 
is all I wanted to do in my life. I was always nervous about what people would think of me. So partying and drinking heavily was my main focus of life. In fact, alcohol was my top priority in planning everything. I also struggled with sexual immorality. In my weaknesses, I had relationships with different women, visited sites, attended clubs. Even though those things never fulfilled me, I'd continue because the accuser had a hold of me. He said, man, I was, I was chained up. I was locked up. He goes, the next day I would hang my head in shame, fearful of eternal damnation. I'd pray for forgiveness, but it began to feel pointless because I would just continue these habits. And as I would feel that way, I would drink more to numb the reality. All the time, my heart was telling me there was more to life. Still, I kept living this way. The byproduct of this restless internal struggle was extreme anger where I'd snap at anyone that tested me. And the worst part was, is that I was trying to portray this Christian life that I always believed in Jesus, but I never took the time to know who he is and what he had for me. And that lack of understanding caused me a lot of pain and it caused me a lot of shame. I'd go to church to avoid hell. And every time the Spirit of God would work in me, but I was always afraid to act on what God was saying. And I would justify it and think to myself, if I could just get married or have a family or, or make more money or get a house, everything would work out. And when that happens, then I'll get more serious about God. He says, this way of thinking didn't work. I got to a point where I needed more and I needed something different than what I was currently doing. The one thing that I've always avoided is the thing that forever changed me. It was community. Getting involved, I joined a connect group and started gaining understanding. I found friendships and people who cared and understood and walked through life with me. My life will never be the same. I still live my life as if it were the last. It's just no longer for me. I'm, I know now that it's about people, but it's about pleasing God, not pleasing them. And this young man's life is forever changed. This young man's life today is impacting people every single week at such a high level. I know because I watch it firsthand. And the power of God can transform your life today too. The power of God can set you free from the chains of addiction if you're willing to... to to can the excuses and cut the ties and, and fill the void in your life and fill it with the word of God fill it with a relationship with God and with people who are pursuing God with you